Chapter number 15. Amen. Thank you, Brother Clay, for helping us out, taking Pastor Carl's place today. Did a great job. Thank you so much. Amen. The book of St. Luke this morning, chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15 this morning, and we'll begin reading with verse number 11. St. Luke chapter number 15. And we'll start reading with verse number 11. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord today. Lord, that you are such an incredible God, and Lord, that you love us, Lord, with an unconditional love. And God, that you are always ready, willing, and able to receive us. God, I pray if there will be one or more today, they are prodigals today. They are, they have left the Father's house. They have left your ways. God, I pray today they will be restored to you. And Father, for those of us today, Lord, that are still in the Father's house, God, may we get a fresh appreciation for your house and, and to be so grateful and thankful that we have not strayed and we have not fallen to temptation. Anoint us, enable us, empower us by your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, this is perhaps my favorite Bible story. One of the reasons it's one of my favorites is because it's not just a story, but it contains within the story at least four stories. There's the story of the prodigal that we're going to talk about today. But there's also the story of the father and what a story it is. His love and and his provision, his faithfulness and his forgiveness. 
Well, then the story also is the story of Big Brother. I think a lot of people uh, uh, see this in in a way that it's not really. A lot of people like to think of of Big Brother as the faithful son, but but, but I beg to differ with you. He was not the faithful son. He's self-righteous. He's self-seeking. He's bitter. He's angry. He's resentful. Uh, He is a picture of the carnal saint. The saint that has forgotten where he came from and and who has lost all sense of loyalty and appreciation. And then there's the story of the far country, the place where the prodigal flees to. It's appealing to the natural eye, but what comes with it will bring you down. The far country is the story of sin. Well, this morning I want us to focus our attention on the prodigal, the the younger son. And there are several things that I want to call your attention to as we go through this story again this morning. First of all, I want us to notice his rebellion. Notice his rebellion. Oh, you know, on the surface surface, it it, it appeared that, that all is well. Perhaps they had even been nominated as family of the year. We really don't know what is taking place behind closed doors. Not only in this parable or in this story, but, but in all of our lives and in all of our families, we really don't know what is truly taking place behind closed doors. Perhaps even the father in this story thought that all was well with his boys. You see, too many fathers are, are clueless today about what is really going on. In their home. They're too busy making a living to know what is really going on in their life. No doubt it came as a shock to this father when his younger son started showing signs of rebellion. This sweet, innocent boy of his, but now is showing another side to him. This father had provided both of his boys with anything and everything all they could ever need or want. And yet there was something that was gnawing at this boy on the inside of him. Questions were screaming from him. What was life like elsewhere? He had been sheltered. His father was strict. Oh, he was naive concerning the world and life outside Of daddy's world. All of a sudden he begins to chafe. Oh under the authority of daddy. All of a sudden daddy's rules seem to be old fashioned and antiquated. He has a desire to spread his wings. Try new ways. Dance to another tune. See for himself what life could be like. Outside of daddy's influence. Oh, the world is passing him by while he wastes his life. At least he thinks he's wasting his life in daddy's house. I'll never forget the pain that was in the voice of one of our own Assemblies of God pastors. As he told of coming home from the church that he pastored one Saturday night, thinking it was just a Saturday night like any other Saturday night, he had spent His day in sermon preparation and in prayer and in calling on recent absentees. He comes home to to fall into bed, to get up to minister the next morning, but he comes home to an empty house. He comes home and discovers a note 
on the kitchen table from his wife of 20 years. And the note read, I'm tired of this life. I can't take it anymore. I want to live a different kind of life. It feels like the world is passing me by. I don't want to live in a glass house anymore. I'm suffocating. I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids with me. And I won't be back. And she never did. Perhaps someone here today has had similar Thoughts as the prodigal, so with you. All appears well on the outside, but on the inside a battle is raging. Rebellion is festering on the inside of you. You are struggling in the Father's house. Oh, friend, if I'm describing you today, don't ignore. Don't ignore it. Don't just wish and hope that it will go away. Friend, if left alone, it will grow. Deal with it today. Pray it through. Talk to somebody that you respect and trust. Get some help. Don't become a casualty like the prodigal and the host of prodigals that have come after him. The second thing I find in this story is the reveling. That's found in verse 13. He gathers everything together. Journeys to a far country and there he wastes his possessions with prodigal living. Oh, his life now is just one big party. Everything his father forbid him to have or do, he now fills his life with. He goes to a far country. Oh, oh, he's got to. He has to. Because what he has in mind, he must go far, far, far from the Father's house before he can find it. And perhaps there is someone here today and you are far, far, far from the Father's Oh, you once knew God. You once were close to Him. You once enjoyed intimate oh, communion and fellowship with Him. But today, you find yourself far, far away. The third thing that I see in this story is His reduction, found in verses 14 through 16. But when He had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. So he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he, he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Oh, notice his reduction. As long as he is in fellowship with his father, he has everything he could ever need and everything he could ever want. But oh, friend, through his rebellion, which drove him far away from his father, through his reveling, which was a byproduct of his rebellion, he has been reduced to a beggar. He has no home. He has no money. He has no friends. Oh, he has spent a fortune on wine, women, and song. He is reduced to poverty. He has no Nothing, nothing. Oh, he can't even find a job. And finally he gets so desperate that, that, that he joins himself to a citizen of the, of the country there. And, and he takes on the job of feeding swine. Oh, oh, can you imagine how low this boy must be to be willing to feed the swine? Oh, he's a Jew boy. They have nothing to do 
with the hogs. Oh, friends, such is the nature of sin. Such is the nature of sin. Let me, let, let, let me remind you of three things that, that sin will do. I've given to you, them to you before, but I remind you, we need to be constantly reminded of them today. The first one is this morning, sin will take you farther than you intended to go. Sin will always take you farther than you intended to go. Friends, sin is like, sin is like cancer. It can start very, 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 very small. But if left unattended, oh, if left untreated, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, oh, no doubt the prodigal never intended to allow himself to get this far away from his father. Never intended to get this far away from his father's principles. But friend, that's the way sin is. It will always take you farther than you intended to go. Second thing about sin is sin will keep you longer than you intended to stay. It will keep you longer than you intended to say, Oh, oh, I'll just go to the far country for a little while, perhaps the prodigal thought. Just a quick, a quick look-see, just a little taste, just for a little while, just in order to see what it is like. But the far country kept him long enough to strip from him everything that he had. And in the far country, the prodigal lost his dignity. He lost his dedication. He lost his dream. Oh, oh, friend, Satan loves to entice us by promising us it'll only be once, he says. Just try it once. Just one look at pornography. Just one look. See what it's all about. Just one drag on a cigarette. Just, just one puff. You can be like the former president. You don't even have to inhale. <laughs> just one can of beer. Just, just one beer with the boys. Just one mixed drink. Oh, just, just one night. Just one night fling, he says. No big deal. It's only once. But hear me, he's, he's a liar because one leads to two and Two leads to three and three leads to four. And before you know it, he has reduced you to nothing. Before you know it, you've lost your marriage. Before you know it, you've lost your money. Before you know it, you've lost your ministry. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, How if I could only do it over again? If only I could do it over again. If only I hadn't fallen to the temptation. If only I hadn't. Taking that first drink. If only I hadn't looked at, if only I hadn't had that one date. If only, if only. But friends, sin will reduce you. It'll take you farther than you intended to go and keep you longer than you intended to stay. And friend number three, sin will cost you more than you were willing to pay. It will cost you more than you were willing to. To pay all. Oh, his little trip to the far country cost this young prodigal everything he had. Friend, the Bible says Satan is a thief. Jesus said about the devil that the devil comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. Friend, he will steal everything you have. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your marriage. He'll steal your ministry. He'll steal your last dollar. Hear me. Oh, there is a high price to be paid for low living. The fourth thing that I see in this story is his reminiscing. 
Oh, here he is in the fields with the swine. He's so hungry. The Bible said that he would, he would fill his belly. He was right on verge of filling his belly with the very food that, that the hogs were eating. And just as he's about to partake of the hog food, all of a sudden he has a flashback. Oh, and in his mind he sees his father's table. Oh, and it's loaded with food of all kinds. How oh, all of a sudden he remembers the nice warm bed that he slept in. All of a sudden he rem- reminisces about what it was like back home in the Father's house. Oh, oh, hear me this morning if you're a backslider today. Reminisce for a few moments today. Remember how it was when you were in the Father's house. Remember what it was like when you had a relationship with the Father. Remember what it was like when you were living close to your father. Remember the peace you felt in your heart. Remember the joy that you had. Remember how nice it was to all to have an assurance that all was well between you and the father. All the good news is today it can be restored. The fifth thing that I see in this story, I see his return. Oh, the prodigal has made a royal mess out of his life. He's in the hog pen, but he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay there. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father. Oh, the prodigal realizes his mistake. He's fallen. Oh, he's, he's gone as low as a person could possibly go. But he's determined. I'm going back home. I'm going back home. Oh, maybe that's you today. Oh, perhaps you're here today and you find yourself so far down. You cannot believe that your life has slipped as far as it has. Oh, you look in the mirror to shave in the morning. You look in the mirror to put your makeup on in the morning. And you cannot believe the one that is looking back at you. And Satan whispers to you, there's no hope for you. You're too far gone. You've slipped too far. But remember, he's a liar. Oh, oh, it's impossible for him to tell the truth. I'm telling you today, you can return to the Father. The psalmist said in Psalm 40 and 2, He brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps and he put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to my God. No, sir, friend, it is impossible to sink so low that God cannot pull you out. Be like the prodigal. Say to yourself, I'm going to arise. I'm not going to stay here any longer. I've been in the far country long enough. I'm going back home. The sixth thing that I see in this story is his repentance. His repentance found in verse 20 and 21. He arose, came to his father, And he said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Friend, the biggest reason, the number one reason why most people will go to hell is pride. Pride. You've got to get them lost before you can get them saved. And they're too proud, too proud to admit they're lost. Too proud to admit they're a sinner. Too proud to admit they need help. But not the prodigal. Oh, he's willing to repent. He's sorry for what he has done. 
Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be a son. Just let me be one of your servants. Oh, how about you this morning? Are you too cool to admit that you've messed up? Too cool? Maybe you hold a position in the church. I don't want anybody to know what I've been doing. I don't want anybody to know that I'm less than perfect. We already know. Your wings don't spread as far as you think they do. And we know because we know ourselves. We know us. Are you too macho to admit that you need help? I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people in the middle of an altar service, gone and talked to them individually, the conviction of the Holy Spirit all over them, trembling as the Spirit of God ministered and wooed them to Christ. But they were too macho. Too macho. Most people are in denial. Their life's a wreck, and yet they pretend like everything is okay. Stop it this morning. You'll you'll never reunite with the Father until you repent. And you'll never repent until you acknowledge that you need to repent. The seventh thing that I find in this story is found in verse 20, and that is the reunion. Oh, notice his reunion. He arose, came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh, you know what that tells me? That tells me that the father was waiting on him. Oh, I can just imagine in my mind's eye. Oh, every single day that boy was gone. I can imagine every night the father crying himself to sleep, praying for the return of his son. I can just see that father every morning before the sun would come up. He would go out and look at that road, the road where his son left. I can see him before the sun even comes up looking. And when the sun comes up, he looks with everything within him, hoping that this is going to be the day that his son is going to come home. I can imagine that every night when the sun was going down, the father again was at that road where his son left. And again, he's looking, 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 hoping this will be the evening when my son, my boy, will come home. Where do you get that? When the boy came home, the father was looking for him, ran, fell on his neck, loved him and kissed him. Oh, can you even imagine what must have been going on through the, uh, in the prodigal's mind on his journey back home? Oh, I'm sure he played this scene out a hundred times in the theater of his mind. Oh, what will daddy say to me when he sees me? I'm sure he thought. Oh, maybe he'll say, just look at you, boy. You're a disgrace to this family. Do you know what the neighbors have been saying? I told you how it would be, son. You never listen to me, boy. Go get a switch from the tree. I'm going to thrash you. You think I whipped you before. You wait till you get. You've never had a whipping like you're going to get. But no, 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 none of this, none of this, none of this. The father was thrilled to see his boy. He's been hoping. He's been praying. He's been wishing. He's been planning his boy's return. He's got a robe ready, prepared to put around him. Oh, he's got the family ring ready to put on his hand. He's fattened up a calf for a barbecue. 
barbecue he's going to throw in his, in his honor. He's been looking forward to this day ever since the day his boy departed. Hear me this morning, friend. God loves you. He wants to be reunited with you. And if you come back to him today, he's not going to thrash you. Oh, but he's going to pull you to his bosom. He's going to kiss you on the cheek. And he's going to say, welcome home. He's going to throw a party in your honor. The last thing I like to see in this story this morning, and that is his reinstatement. Verses 21 and 22, the son said to his father, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned in your sight. And daddy, I'm no longer to be called your son. Just let me be a servant. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. <laughs> bring out the best robe <laughs> and put it on him. How? Bring out a ring and put it on his hand. Bring out sandals and put it on his feet. Oh, when the prodigal comes home, he doesn't look like he did when he left. When he left, he had the best threads that money could buy on him. When he left, he had the family ring. He had sandals on his feet. He was well kept. He had a pocket full of money. But oh, when he comes home, he doesn't look anything like he did when he left. When he comes home, his hair's unkept and he stinks like the pigs. And his clothes that he has left are tattered and, and torn. The family ring has long been hawked. The sandals have long gone and wore out. Sin had taken its toll. Sin had left its mark. And when he comes back stinking like the pigs and looking like the world, the father, the father says, bring the best robe in the house and put it around him. Oh, oh the father wants to cover up the sin of his son. He didn't want anyone to see his son in this condition. Oh, the prodigal said, Father, I've sinned. Oh, before heaven, I've sinned in your sight. I don't deserve to be a part of this family anymore. Could I just be a servant? Could I come back and just be a slave? You know, friend, people that leave the love of the father and of the father's house and go into the world, often when they come back, they're made to feel cheap and second rate, but not with God. No, no. God says you're not a slave. God says you're my son. God says we want to cover up the sin. We want to cover up the naked. Bring the best robe, he says, and put it around him. I want to cover up his shame. He, he's come back in shame, but he's my boy. I don't want anybody to see him in the shape that he's in. So bring the best robe and cover him up. Cover him up. Cover him up. And bring the, the family ring. The family ring. In those days, just as cattle were branded with a brand, families had rings with the family initial or the family insignia that they wore as a bracelet. He had long hawked it. It was long gone. The servants didn't have the ring. The boys had the ring. <laughs> oh, I don't want anyone to mistake him as a servant. I want everybody to know he's my boy. So bring robe and put it around. He don't look much like me right now, but I'm going to dress him up. Bring the robe and put it around him. Bring the family ring and put it on his hand. Don't want anybody to doubt that he's my son. 
He doesn't have any shoes. Only slaves go without shoes. Bring some sandals. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Put them on him. I don't want anybody to see him in this condition. He was my boy. He was lost. Oh, but he's found. He was dead, but he's alive. Oh, I've been waiting for him to come home. I've been fattening up that fatted calf. Go get it and kill it. Slaughter it. Let's have a barbecue. Let there be music. Let there be dancing. My son was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He's found. Let's be merry. Let's rejoice. My son has come home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the musicians and singers could get back in place this morning, very quickly, please. Oh, how about you today? Oh, are you living in rebellion? Oh, you say, Pastor, you're you're preaching to the choir this morning. I just happen to know a little bit about the choir. I've seen everything in the choir. I've seen everything. In the choir. <laughs> That's what they said about this family. Perhaps they said, Oh, we ought to nominate them for family of the year. They look good on the outside. Oh, friend, we know how to go through the motions, don't we? We know how to look. We know the key words and phrases to say, huh? We know how to do it. Sure. Sure. How about you there? Are you living in rebellion? Have you rebelled against everything you were ever taught? Maybe you are in quiet rebellion today. Quiet rebellion today. That's usually where it begins. That's not where it usually stops. Or maybe you are reveling in sin today. Maybe you are far from the Father's house doing anything and everything that you were taught against. Maybe, maybe sin has reduced you. Friend, if you're in sin, if sin has not reduced you yet, it will. It will. It will. Oh, why don't you just reminisce this morning? Think back about what it was like. When you sat around the Father's table. Think about what it was like when you had the approval of the Father. Reminisce about how it was one time when you had the peace and the joy and the satisfaction of knowing everything is under the blood and everything is right. Oh, if you find yourself in the, in the world today and in the far country, you need to return and you need to say to yourself, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to stay here any longer. I've been here long enough. I've been playing the game too long. I'm getting too close to the world. I'm getting too much of the world upon me. I'm, I'm not going to let it go. Not even one more day. I'm going to return and I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent. I'm going to acknowledge my sin. I'm sorry for it. I'm going to turn from it. And oh, when I come back home, I know that my Father is going to be ready, willing, and waiting on me to receive me. To throw His arms of love and compassion and mercy and acceptance around me. To give me the kiss on the cheek. Put back the ring, the family ring back on my hand and the sandals back on my feet and the robe around me to cover my nakedness and cover my sin. And I know today is the day I'm going to be reinstated. Father, thank you for this word this morning. We've heard this story so many, many times, Lord. But oh, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. And God, even if there's not even one prodigal here today, and I doubt that, but even if there's not even one prodigal here today, God, even as the pastor of this church, it does mean to read this story again, to read this story over and over, God. Oh, God, to once again be so grateful and thankful for what you've done, not only what you've done for me, but what you have spared me from, oh, God. And God, the last thing I want to be is like Big Brother, taking for granted the blessing of God 
and thinking I'm so high and mighty and so spiritual because I never did waste the Father's money on righteous living. No, no, but I had bitterness. I had anger. I had resentment in my heart. Just as bad or worse. Help us today. Speak to the heart of the people today. Do your work in this place, we ask. In Jesus' precious name. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning all over this congregation.